This message by Steph Liston was recorded at the Relational Mission Church Planting Conference 2015 in Berkel, the Netherlands. This is a seminar. Um, the way I'm going to approach it is less like a lecture and more like something interactive. Um, so it will require your uh, involvement. Um, I'd like you to start by just writing down um, why you came to this seminar. Why on earth? <laughs> why on earth you came to this seminar? Um, say again? You've got to be honest, yeah. You've got to be honest. I won't force you all to read yours out publicly, but it might be good to get just a sense of um, what the reasons are in the room. That will help me. I'm actually much more comfortable responding to what I know I've got in front of me in the moment rather than just assuming and um, going off on one. So why you came here? Once you've written that down, I'd like you... So why you came to this seminar? Next, I'd like you to write down what areas of knowing Jesus or what area in your life are you most encouraged about? What area of your relationship with Christ are you most encouraged about? If you don't understand me, say and I'll try to rephrase things. I know that many of us have got English as a second language. Firstly, for those of you that aren't English, just thank you. Thank you for the way you learn English (laughs) and how it helps us English who are not very good at... um, Well, it's not that we're not very good, we just don't bother. We assume everyone else is going to learn English, so it's a terrible cycle we're in. Um, And once you've done that, if you could just write down what area of your relationship with Christ are you most unsatisfied about? So, why are you at this seminar? What area of your relationship with Christ are you most encouraged about? What area are you most dissatisfied with? It'd be just good to get a feel of what's around the room for those of you that are that are happy to um, say. That would be really, that would be brilliant. And it would just give us a sense of what are the themes in the room, what are the commonalities, what are the things that we have in common in this area, what are the specifics. So whoever would like to start, away you go. I won't do a circle because then it puts people under pressure when it comes to them if they don't want to read it out. So I'll just say, just we'll just go as and when. But whoever wants to read those three things out to us, Whoever's happy doing that, um, go for it. Right. Oh, sorry. You should be speaking in this. Sorry, Mr. Um, this is anonymous. Put on accents and things if you want to be anonymous. In. <laughs> Jesus is probably one of the things that has to be just foundationally strong. Yep. Um, and so the other two questions would be, uh, you know, similar to Liz, like my relating to Jesus through the Word is just I love, I love that. Um, but I think the area of 
the final question is probably processing and dealing with emotional hurt and pain from history. And I've been on a kind of a journey for that for the last couple of years, but okay. yeah. it's not easy. Thank you. Very honest. Thank you. Who wants the mic? <laughs> Reach out for the mic. I could just choose someone. Could <laughs> you could. I don't know what response you'll get, especially from the Dutch, but I'd say no. Um, I guess the first one, what I, did, I, did I come to the seminar? It's like, um, I think after five years of living in a spiritually hard place, I just feel I've got nothing to give anymore. I feel spiritually dried out, and that's not a good place to be. Yeah. Um, uh, the second one, what am I most encouraged about, is basically trusting and having faith in him under pressure. Um, but I'm discouraged about faithfulness and spiritual disciplines and scripture study. Thank you. Yeah, I came, came to the seminar because I love you. Yeah, and uh, encouraging things in my relationship with Jesus, his acceptance, his grace, and also his providence. Um, I would like to have more clarity around the whole issue of jobs or work in a church, all that kind of area. So that's a bit wearing us down, I think, or me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so <clears throat> I came uh, because I wanted more uh, independence. I want more independence in my intimacy with with Christ. And I'm coming from a church that's quite large to now a setting where I, I, I I'm not in that. I'm kind of hmm. in, a, in a very small church plant in Helsinki. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to grow in independence uh, to my relationship with Christ um, I kind of got the impression that that's what, perhaps what you were offering so that's why I came um, and then um, I'm encouraged by his faithfulness recently that's been really uh, really clear in, in recent kind of times when I've been moving into, into some of his promises mm. um, Perhaps I'm dissatisfied with with my day-to-day kind of commitment to to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I love uh, listening to you too, Steph, and uh, enjoy the prospect of not just listening to like a uh, a seminar talk online, but actually the moment, and I enjoy your facilitation. I've come because I don't feel like I know Jesus well enough and I want more of a joy in my relationship with Jesus. Um, I feel like I'm encouraged about being on an adventure with him, so I feel like I'm in a, a good, obedient spot. But I feel like I'm dissatisfied with when in the moment of sort of gospel opportunities, just feeling a bit like... <laughs> and uh, just seeing how Jesus just effortlessly asked a question or mm. turned, just brought something out of a situation mm. and sometimes you know someone will be quite despairing and I'll just be going yeah yeah and then being like oh, but I know Jesus but then I can't yeah it's just that yeah and I feel like there's a breakthrough that I want and that maybe I've been a bit too drive through okay thank you Um, yeah, I like the fact you had Jesus in your uh, title, so um, it's good to focus on 
Um, something, uh, that something that's really encouraged me recently has been with some American pastors and Chinese pastors and seeing that God's saying the same things to both of them, um, which is really encouraging when you see things that are happening at the same time, yeah. same in different parts of the world. And really the discouragement is seeing the growing amount of uh, consumer Christianity that's in the church. Um, I think um, why I went um, to this seminar is because um, in church we can be so focused on church and we forget about Jesus. So I think that's one of the reasons why I thought we need to really go. I wanted to go to this seminar and I think what I'm, uh, um, I'm happy with or encouraged with is his faithfulness continually. But then kind of what I'm not happy with is kind of how can I live a life that how Jesus lived on earth. Mm-hmm. On a daily basis. Yeah. Anyone else? I'm hoping that this will last for an hour and a half, and then we can all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just keep asking. Just keep asking. And I chose this seminar to kind of be provoked in how well do I actually know Jesus because I think very often I look at it very negatively as I don't know him at all because that's my kind of background is kind of a lot of negativity kind of thing Um, and I probably know him a lot better than I think I do the area that I'm most encouraged about is just being able to um, pray and worship and engage with God really Um, and most unsatisfactory about is kind of reading slash learning from scripture I just find reading really hard and a real challenge so yeah Yeah. thanks James Uh, why I am here because uh, comparing to the other two uh, seminars I think this was the most interesting so uh, I looked so it it is uh, yeah it is, and uh, where I'm most uh, encouraged about uh, the unconditional love uh, from of Jesus for me as a as a person as an individual. Mm-hmm. So I uh, yeah the, I experienced that, and where where my dissatisfied about is uh, my uh, personal relationship with Him at the moment. Yeah, with uh, yeah reading Bible or uh, praying or that. Yeah, sure. yes. Thank you. Yes, uh, why I came to the seminar, uh, I was reading the presentation, and uh, it was about the uh, intimacy re- relationship uh, of the Lord, and uh, the last uh, two years I served a lot through worship and through music, and I felt more dry, and uh, I realized I need to build the relationship with the Lord more deeper and not just running through the yeah. Christian life, yeah. and uh, this was to to get deeper with him yeah. and a second point is um, uh, I sense his presence around me this is uh, what is make me sure that he's with me mm-hmm. and uh, the third point is uh, I would like to hear his voice more yeah. and a better understanding of his ways for my future great thank you 
Well, the, the reason why I'm here is, is well, um, for me also, I, I just love the, the way you, you, you preach, how you, um, how you teach. So that's, uh, that's why I'm here. Um, there was something in the description uh, that grabbed my attention, but I can't remember it, so I don't know why. Um, the, the part I'm, I'm uh, encouraged about in my relationship with Jesus is that he is always there. Mm-hmm. And no matter what um, well, my feelings or what, what I've done, he's there always. And what I'm le- um, yeah, dissatisfied with is, um, well, actually, my part of the, of the deal, my part of the relationship that I'm, uh, I, I, want, I want to follow him i want to listen and i want to really follow him if you if you understand what i'm saying um i i want to hear him and i want to follow him and i i, I feel there's uh, some there's more mm-hmm. yeah You don't all have to, by the way, if you're feeling the pressure now that most people are. But what a pressure. But you are free to. I try it in the best English I can. Um, the first question um, uh, was the title, uh, Do You Really Know Him? And that's a question that I uh, often ask myself um, because of things I see in my life that are not comparing to the word. So, uh, do I really know him? Um, what I'm satisfied about is um, is restoration work in me so where I came from and where I am now is all thanks to him and that gives such a joy in my life that's, that's incredible um, what I'm not satisfied about is um, the intimacy I want to have more intimacy with him so I'm more committed I'm fully committed to him uh, and knowing him so I will um, fear him instead of fearing man. I think there's a, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. something uh, by that. Yeah. So I want that to grow in my life. Thank you. Ik doe het uh, even in het Nederlands. Dus voor mij in ieder geval makkelijker. Yeah. Um, was the, we'll do it in, in Dutch and I will translate. Um, <coughs> waarom zit ik hier? Dat is gewoon uh, toeval. Dit is wat een toeval betekent wat van de hemel je toekomt vallen, dus dat is altijd goed. So the reason why I'm here, how, oh man, um, coincidence. Uh, yeah. Chose the wrong room. <laughs> no, it's just like I'm just here because I'm here. Yeah. Nou, wat vind ik zo geweldig aan Jezus is dat hij um, uh, in ieder geval in mijn beleving altijd enorm verrassend is. En dat Gods woord ja, is ook steeds uh, verrassend. Um, the, the area I'm very encouraged by is Jesus is he's always surprising us and me. And God's word is always surprising as well. Ja, wat zou ik uh, beter willen met uh, Jezus? Dat ja, gewoon um, ja, meer tijd, meer, meer relatie bouwen. Dat is uh, toch wel uh, echt wel een uh, issue, denk ik. Um, the thing that I'm discouraged about is a personal relationship with Jesus. He's got a hunger to really grow in relationship with Jesus. Great. 
Hi. Um, I came to the seminar in order to kind of find a way of helping me to get closer to Jesus and get encouraged. Um, I am totally secure in the fact that I know that Jesus loves me no matter what and that he wants me and that he wants to stretch me. Um, the thing I find most discouraging is <laughs> I'm not very, always very good with my time and um, I get distracted very easy. <laughs> I could be praying and then I'm kind of thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner later. <laughs> um, and so, and because I need to really know it's important that I really need to tune in and listen up to Jesus better, so I need to kind of, yeah, instill lots more discipline. Yeah, um, I chose this seminar because I'm uh, starting to really get... I've been a Christian my whole life, but now I'm starting to really grasp what Jesus means, and now I want a lot more of that. You kind of see what it means, and you realize you're actually really hungry. Um, What I'm very sad or or inspired about is that I see real uh, transformation around us, uh, where we live, so at work and the work we do with refugees. So I see God is... uh, kind of um, using us for his kingdom, which is an amazing thing when you notice that. Um, Most dissatisfied is that I very quickly fall back on my own strength and my own ability and forget about God and and then get worried about stuff, uh, whether I'm good enough, etc. So um, at that moment, completely forget that actually God is the one in control. So I think uh, uh, total obedience and totally giving up everything is uh, something that... uh, is, uh, yeah, a struggle. So, uh, why did I come to this seminar? Um, just to make sure I'm on the right track in relating to him in what at the moment is a really hectic time and also sort of trying to sort of pick up a few sort of tips from what works with you and sort of how I can do that personally better. Um, area at the moment that I'm really encouraged with in my relationship with him is um, prayer and just chatting to him and just seeing his care. Um, But areas that I'm dissatisfied with is just I'd love to be able to to hear him more through his word, um, but also sort of seeing him act through my life more and sort of seeing others encounter him through, through the way I know him. Yeah. Is that everyone? Or everyone who wanted to? <laughs> Great. I'm going to put the mic on the middle of the floor here. And um, it's a bit laborious every time you're asking a question to use the mic, but it would obviously really help the recording. Um, or, actually, you can just say it and I'll repeat it. If I forget to repeat it, just remind me to. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to do my best um, through this seminar to try to speak into the things that you're uh, referring to as much as I can. Um, try and speak honestly from my own experience as much as I can. Uh, I guess my hope is, I think we get encouraged probably two ways, don't we? The first way is to realize that we're not, that we're all in the same boat. That, that the things, the challenges and the tests that we're experiencing in knowing Christ are not unusual. They're not unique or unusual. That there will always be in a circle this size someone who can nod <laughs> and say, I know exactly what that's like. And actually, that is part of God's grace to us to know that we're not somehow some freak of nature that's struggling with something that no one else is. So that's, And so I will try and be as honest as I can with my own struggles and my own uh, weaknesses to a, an appropriate level to just try to, again, encourage you from that. And then hopefully we'll try and also speak of things that have been um, 
areas where I've found God help me and things I've learned so that it's not just uh, a sob session, you know, but, the, you know, there's some, some things as well to learn. I'm going to just try my best to really spark um, out of the Q&A that we just did. And then I do have some notes, and we may get to them. But I didn't really know what this seminar was going to be about, to be honest. Um, I wanted to hear what was in the room, and I'm much more comfortable responding to that rather than just... But there, are, there is stuff prepared, but let's see where we get. The first thing I think I really want to talk about in terms of hearing some of you guys talk is that inevitably our strengths are always our weaknesses. <laughs> so where you are strong by your very nature will highlight where you are weak. And you are never going to be someone who is strong in every area. And I do think we, it's almost obvious, but I think we've got to say it because I think in a very aspirational movement, in a very high ideal, high ideals movement, uh, in an apostolic world changing movement, you can, you can pick up, <laughs> it's never said, but you can almost pick up in the air this sense, you know, you, someone mentions this great prayer. In, in, a, in a seminar and in the next seminar they mention this mighty business person and in the next seminar this amazing evangelist and at the end of the day you're thinking woe is me do you, do you know what I mean because you think how can I how can I be all of that when actually it was never God's intention for you to be so you have strengths but by virtue of your strengths you have weaknesses and actually a really important part of knowing the Lord Jesus is knowing where he has graced you and operating in that and not spending hours being worked up about areas that he hasn't so let me give an example when we planted a church um, you know I mean I've not I've got a couple of quite developed gifts I'm not a generalist and typically the best church planters are generalists they're good at, they're, they're good at doing everything because in the early days you've got to do a bit of everything and so people I was, I was aware that probably um, I wasn't the typical profile of what a church planter should be and actually even even the even the people that sent me said you're a really good preacher but we don't know if you can lead very well <laughs> so they said you've got a really big muscle here we're not you're just not sure about the other one so you're going out with your leaders saying that over you um and uh, I, and I, so what we did was when we started i'm just using this as an illustration when we started for the first six months of church we met in the home we started with 12 adults we would be in a circle like this singing some songs. And then after we did that, we, we moved the settees round into two rows and a couple of armchairs. And then I preached my heart out, which on the surface looks ridiculous. You think, what are you doing? You've got a room full of like, you know, some people are with the kids. There's like eight, eight adults left and you're just stood there preaching. Why? It's because I know I can do that by God's grace. And I know that when I do that, people's lives will be changed. And I know that I'm not a very good Bible study leader too intense yeah I'm way too intense people get freaked out when I'm preaching I can be intense and it fits so I just went for it and trusted that because Jesus had graced me in that area he would honour the grace that he had put on me to build his church through that so it's really important that no matter what you're doing what sphere of life you're in where you are pioneering or thinking of pioneering or whatever it might be that you actually learn to embrace your strengths it sounds really really obvious but how much emotional energy is wasted by people bewailing what they're not when you think well if you just relax about it you're not supposed to be everything and then you just get to leave the gaps and guess what Jesus does he fills them 
So God gave me a brilliant team, I think, because everyone who joined the church plant looked and thought, this guy does this really well, but we're not sure what else he can do. Maybe there's a place for me in this church. Maybe I can bring my gifts in this. <laughs> I certainly could. Because it wasn't long before the gaps started showing really obviously. So I do think it's really important. And this actually feeds into your relationship with him. It really does. Because um, he has knitted you together. He has designed you in a certain way. And you honouring your unique personhood in that sense. Not in, a kind of, not in an egotistical way, but honouring the work of God and the grace of God. It actually means you, you just flow in who you are with him. And you're not in that clunky thing where you're trying to relate to him in a certain way that you saw so-and-so doing or this thing. or It just doesn't fit. It's like, you know, when David was, he put on Saul's armor. He's trying to kill Goliath. Put, put this on. Uh, actually, you'd think, textbook, yeah, king's armor. If anything's going to do it, king's armor's going to do it. You can imagine him clunking around in this thing. This isn't right. Well, what do you need? Five stones. Just go down the river, get me some stones. I know what to do with those. And what happens? Victory. And so I think we've really got to just be at peace about who we are and who we're not. I love it when they go to John the Baptist and they say, Are you Elijah? No. Are you the Messiah? No. You know, he's, he's just, he's pretty clear on what he's not. Why? I'm a voice in the wilderness. I'm a voice. He's not trying to be everything. It's who he is. So knowing where you fit makes for a much more peaceful Christian life and a much more fruitful Christian life. And recognizing that there will be weaknesses in that. So, you know, you may be, you, you, your strength may be the word. Your strength may not be the word, books, and reading. If your strength isn't the word, books, and reading, find a way of getting the word in you. Get an audio Bible. Yeah, you haven't got to be a bookie. The Bible doesn't say anywhere. You've got to be a book lover to be a fruitful disciple of Jesus. But a lot of the models you see most likely are. You've got to know the Word of God. Just get it on audio. No drama. Be who you are. Get the Word in you, yes, but you've got to honour the way God's put you together. Otherwise, you're going to just get really worn out. Does that make sense? Is there any? I mean, it's pretty. That's one hundred and one. But it's it's really important. I don't know if there's anything anyone wants to say on that, any questions or digging deeper. I just want to constantly give opportunity for people to just, are you saying this, da, 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 just so that we really get to the, the depths. Yeah. Your strengths aren't, sorry, what I meant was is this, is that because of where your strengths are, that that means that, uh, let me try to illustrate. Um, if you are um, introverted, you will probably find it a lot easier praying alone. And you'll have some lovely times with the Lord alone. Because when you are on your own, you are at that point most energized and most relaxed. The weakness will be that you will struggle more in probably in corporate prayer settings. So it's like a flip side. It's a flip side thing. So you recognize that your strengths most often correlate to certain weaknesses and not worry about that. So I don't get really worked up now when I struggle in prayer meetings. I used to, you know, finding this really, really hard. Yeah? Why? But actually, take me, take me for a walk along the beach with Jesus and I'm, I'm there. Do you see what I mean? Now that's partly just because of who I am and how he's made me. But you can get into that thing of you're comparing 
you know, this person's in the third heaven in this prayer meeting. What's wrong with me? So that's, do you see what I'm saying? Your strengths have a correlating weakness. And, and it's not, I'm not saying don't work on your weaknesses, but never get into that rut where you're trying to make them your strengths. It's just why. What are you trying to prove and to whom? Does that make sense now? Yeah, good question. Um, anything else? sometimes I mean I will say this it's a li- maybe a little bit provocative but I'll say it anyway yeah I will say it and uh, I'm just going to say it gently and I'm going to say it in a way that hopefully is, is helpful but um, the, 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 I, and, I, and I'm, before I say this let me just make it really clear I, I would say the vast majority of what comes out of Bethel I really like I love those guys and I think they're doing an amazing thing but here's something that I think is just worth thinking about. I think their f- their focus on um, healing and that we all we are all to do it can become an emphasis. It can move to a point where it's an emphasis, whereby you're emphasising it in a way that you wouldn't emphasise other spiritual gifts. So yes, we can all prophesy. Yes, we can all do certain things. But we recognise there are prophets. Yes, we might all learn how to be able to organise our lives, but there are administrators. Yes, we can all pray for the sick, but there are those with the gift of healing. And I think sometimes the Bethel guys don't say that about the healing, and it leads to a scenario where, I, if I, I, where those in the, in the body that have the gift of healing are not being honoured for that as they ought to be. See, some people come to me and they say, um, you know, I say, Stephanie, pray for me, I'm sick. I say, I'm, I'm really happy to, but actually my default is I'm going to send you to my mate Luke. Why? He's got a gift of healing. I mean, it's like you're coming to me for prophecy when Julian Adams is in the room. Well, I'll, I'll gladly pray for you and prophesy, but did you know Julian's here today? He's, there's, there's a grace, there's a grace on him, which it's not we're making him into a superstar, but we're honouring there's grace there. Yes, I can help you, you know, look at the, the, the strategy for your, for your church, but there's, an, there's someone with a really big gift of administration over there, a, a helmsman-type gift that can really help you. And I just think we've... We, we do need to be very clear on honouring the body of Christ and not creating a kind of scenario where it's just so generic everyone should be doing everything. By God's grace, we all can in a moment, but God has placed us in the body as a certain member and actually we are at our most happy and at our most fruitful and at our most peaceful when we are operating in that role. And that doesn't mean we, you know, oh, I can't put the chairs out, I'm a prophet. It's not that, that's not what I'm talking about. We all serve... But do you, you know what I'm saying? But you know, there's just that place of, of being in the body where it works, and it's beautiful, 
And Jesus has arranged it like that, and I think it's important that we that we give attention to that. Does that make sense? I'm, I, I know that was a little bit uh, provocative, so if anyone wants to say anything on that, just to clarify or ask. Or... Okay. Well, the, the, that, isn't, that is true, but that isn't what I was saying. Okay. What I was saying is, is that um, Jesus, Jesus represents in his gifts everything. He's the ultimate apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. He's, he's wonderful, right? Now, in us saying that we want to become like Jesus, we're not saying we want to become like that. We are looking at his character, his godliness, and saying we're being conformed to that. But as for gifting, what we are able to do, I am part of the body of Christ. Therefore, I'm not expecting to be the ultimate apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, administrator, healings, miracle worker. No. I'm looking to acknowledge how has the Holy Spirit, according to his will, gifted me? And how am I going to find my place serving his body in that? That's, that's what I'm saying. Now, I do believe that because of the Holy Spirit working in the body of Christ, you know, in those moments, anyone can operate in a gift that's given for the moment. I believe in that. But I think that's different from finding your place in the body. Am I an eye? Am I a foot? Uh, where do I fit? Let's, yeah, that's re- It's actually really important in terms of your relationship with Jesus. It's not, I think sometimes, this is another provocative one. Sometimes I think we, we over-separate giftedness from personhood. I think that when God knits us together in our mother's womb, it is in view of how he is going to gift us by the Holy Spirit and use us, and it fits with who we are. And um, there is something about me operating in my gifts that helps me grow into who I am as a person. I believe that. And so I, so I don't, here's what I, I say this, what I don't believe is this, is that somehow you could take away everything from me that the Lord's given me to do, and that I should then still be able to function as a person in exactly the same way. I know that's quite controversial to say that. Because people say things like, you should just know who you are in Christ. And it should be totally separate from what, from what, you're, from what you do. There can be an, definitely an unhealthy sense of finding your identity in what you do. But I also think there is a healthy. This is what I'm made for. Since before the foundation of the world, these are good works prepared in advance for me by my Father. This is part of who I am doing this. This isn't separate from who I am. What, what I'm doing in this hour now with you guys is I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself to you. I'm not just telling you some principles. I'm giving myself to you. That's, that's how we serve the Lord, isn't it? So I do think that there's some things to think about there in terms of this strange nebulous idea that somehow you can just remove every bit of activity from my life and somehow I, I would still, I don't know how to put it. I mean, sure, if I'm put in prison for 20 years for being a Christian, God will give me the absolute grace to be able to, I believe, to be able to you know, find who I am in him in doing that. But, I, but I, I'm just nervous of this kind of bizarre kind of thing where you, people try and separate identity from activity in a really strong way. Surely we, what we do overflows out of who we are, surely. Maybe it's just me. Anyway, <laughs> happy to answer questions on that or hear comments. I think we say a lot of things as Christians. There's a lot of sound bites, a lot of cliches. Sometimes we've got to stop and think about them. Is this actually true? <laughs> or is it, just, is, it, is it come from a different way of thinking? Is it biblical? 
Here's something I want to say out of some of the things that you guys said, and it's this from Philippians where Paul says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you, both to work and to will for his good purpose. Do you believe that God is at work in you, both to work and to will for his good purpose? That he is at work, that he is leading you now, that wherever you find yourself it is under his providential hand. I think it's really important to be very conscious of that. Otherwise, you can just embrace the first part, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and you're constantly thinking, Lord, when's the moment? You're looking for this moment. You don't even know quite what it is in your mind, but it's this thing that's going to happen at some point that God's going to do. God is doing it. God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He is, bit by bit, conforming you to the image of his son. He is at work. And it's very often like a bit of yeast in a loaf. You, you can't see it. It's not dramatic, but it affects the whole loaf. That's the kingdom. And I absolutely believe in dramatic breakthroughs and big moments. But, you know, also, I think actually the emphasis of the kingdom growth in the New Testament is that it's like this yeast in a loaf. And it's at work, and it's just working its way into everything. But it's actually quite subversive and quite gradual and quite subtle in many ways. But it absolutely invades everything. But I do think we need to acknowledge God is at work in our lives and make sure that we don't confuse our hunger for him as being that we're in somehow some kind of um, holding bay. <laughs> You're not in a holding bay. God is at work in you. God is leading you. God is shepherding you. Even in the quiet moments. I mean, if you read the story of Abraham, it always fascinates me how between two chapters, we jump 13 years. Between the end of one chapter and the start of the next, we jump 13 years. It doesn't say that, but you can work it out by the age of the children. Well, what happened in between those two chapters? <laughs> what the well, he just walked around, didn't he? You know, Abraham just walked around and looked after the animals and kept believing God. Well, what was he achieving in that time? What was God doing? Well, God, he was waiting. A big, part of, a big part of the Christian life is you're waiting for God to fulfill his promises. And while you're doing that, he is, he is working into you, isn't he? He's working into endurance. He's working into you patience. He's working into you um, stronger and stronger faith. The Bible says he didn't waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith. You're becoming more and more convinced that what you said he would do, he would do. God is at work in those silent years. Do you believe that? If you do, it will have a massive impact on the way that you... Um, Understand and interpret your life. You won't fall into that destructive um, paralysis, introspection. I've lost it. It's going nowhere. I remember once, this is an interesting story. I was running this course in our house for people who wanted to find out more about Jesus, and it was shrinking week by week. You know, those courses, you think, oh, this is going, you know. And uh, I was um, out on my bike. Um, riding through London, and um, I stopped at these traffic lights, and I was having one of those moments, you know, like, Lord. It's, I think there's something wrong with me. You know, you have those moments. I think I'm the cause for the shrinking course. And uh, just getting all negative and introspective. And then I was reminded, just in that moment, of Abraham. It's been a huge encouragement to me. Just, just that sense of God saying, well, what did he do? So we didn't do much, really. So what was the big deal with Abraham? Here's the big deal with Abraham. At whatever part of his life you said to him, Abraham, why are you here? He could hand on heart answer, because God called me to go. If he said, what are you doing? He might struggle at that point to point to lots of impressive things. But why are you here? Because I'm believing the Lord. And I've st- on my bike I thought to myself, why am I here in North London running this course? Because I believe God. I just, you know that peace just comes? It's like, and at that moment, it's so funny, what can happen in a few seconds? Another cyclist overtook me, stopped and parked right in front of me. And on his back of his t-shirt it said, stay focused and keep hacking. Which was like... 
Thank you, Lord. Because it's like going through the undergrowth, isn't it? When you're pioneering, you're just trying to... And it's just like, stay focused and keep hacking. But I can do that. I might not be able to make this thing grow, but I can do that. And I do think we need to just be aware. He's leading us in all these things. In the undramatic, particularly charismatic Christians, we love a bit of drama, don't we? You know, we love a bit of a bang and a whiz. You know, we love fireworks. Of course we do. And that's fine. We, you know, we believe in all that. We want... We want a Pentecost every day, don't we? Uh, but sometimes the, the Lord wants us to realise that, that, that that's not always how it is. And it just helps us to be able to balance the quiet, the quiet seasons as well. That, that's okay. So um, we're not always on the mountaintop. So, you know, one of the things we've, uh, we have to, you have to learn when you're in a faith-filled Christian movement is that sometimes you're not on the mountaintop and you're just not. And, you know, people say, how's it going? You know, the how's it going question. <laughs> it's great when it's going well, isn't it? It's an awful question when it's, when it's all going a bit quiet. And then you can fear that sometimes as soon as you say, oh, so, you know, I remember, I'll just try and be honest with the church. So I remember coming back from the summer. Someone saying, how was your summer? All expectant, you know. It was, it was all right. <laughs> it was, it was all right. Had a few arguments on the family holiday. It was a bit naff. But New Day was good. That was all right. And the, ins- the palpable insecurity <laughs> that begins to emanate. And I said, it's, it's cool. It's all right. It's just life. And just helping people understand that, you know, jars of clay. It's not the new heavens and the new earth yet. <laughs> um, work in progress. Journey to maturity. Just being honest, you end up setting a culture where other people actually, once they've got over there nervousness can actually be free to be honest themselves and haven't got to at that point lay hands on you and fix it <laughs> it's like you know sometimes we do have to say to people it's hard to say isn't it but you know when you when you want to say please don't pray for me right now but you're not saying you don't want the Lord you're just saying I don't want you to fix me I, I, I'm, I'm you know God's at work and it's okay and I don't want you to pray for me if you expect as a result of this prayer that everything in my life that's not perfect is going to be solved because this, I just don't believe that that's how it is. Does that make sense? Go to the prophetic seminar if you expected something more. Sorry. <laughs> the other thing is, is I, 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 what some of you for your discouragement, you're talking about this hunger for God. Let me just, let me just say you should be deeply encouraged <laughs> by the fact that you feel hungry and desperate for God. That should by no means be an area of discouragement. That is incredible. Paul talks about we groan in this tent because our current body cannot contain the glory we're made for. So, so we've been born again and there's almost this intuitive revelation, this knowledge now deep inside. We now know we've been restored to him. We know what we're made for, but we in our current form cannot cope fully with it. So there will always be this yearning there will always be this groan. There will always be this hunger. That is to be celebrated. It's not always easy to live with, but it's a good thing. What, what, what it means is, is that you are this, that deposit of the Spirit in you is crying out for full redemption. It's crying out for that moment where it's face to face, where it's no longer in a glass darkly. But it's, wow. Does that make sense? So it's not, not to be discouraged about it. It's to be deeply encouraged about I was encouraged I'm hearing this hearing that there's this hunger in the room but perplexed that it was it's a discouragement it's wonderful that is New Testament Christianity that 
That is New Testament Christianity. We have moments where you are filled with the Spirit. You're like, oh, glory. But a lot of the time you're just longing for more of God. That's what it is. Um, so there were some thoughts out of some of the things you guys said. I also thought I might make some comments on some of the other things that, that go on and what help us with Jesus. I would, the comment on emotional pain and stuff like this. I would say there are certain things that come along in life that if you don't deal with them right, they can really trip you up in your relationship with God. I think um, disappointment is absolutely huge. There are things that probably most of us in the circle you know, could point to, and they may be small, medium, or large, uh, where you just think, actually, if I'm honest, I'm deeply disappointed about this part of my life. This relationship, this friendship, this marriage, this church, this mission, all that we hoped it would be and what it is now. And that can really trip you up and stop you. It really can. And I, I've had to deal with deep disappointment. Deep, deep disappointment. Um, you know, the proverb says, you know, the, the, uh, only, the, only the heart knows its own pain. <laughs> you know, I'm sure we all, all have in different ways. But, um, and I had to really develop a very, very honest conversation with God about it, where I sort of allowed myself, if you like, to enter something of a season of mourning. I didn't, it wasn't something I manufactured. But I just said, Lord, you know, I just want you to know this is, this is deeply, deeply, <laughs> devastatingly painful. Uh, can we talk about this? And that lasted some time. And uh, all I can say is, is that when you, when you allow the Lord into those kinds of things, he actually brings healing, which is very different from pretending everything's okay. <laughs> he actually brings healing. And out of that place genuine joy can begin to grow but you've got to be able to you've got to be willing to walk through the fact that you're, you're you're carrying deep disappointment and I do think it's ever so important I think betrayal can be another big one for Christians you know there we had a situation where and it's it's a, such a bizarre situation these people wouldn't even know they'd done it right they wouldn't even know they'd done it but what they did felt like such a betrayal you know that horrible just you just think it takes the wind out of your sails questions you begin to question about building friendships again and all of that you know and um, and how do we even how do we deal with this friendship and repair this friendship even though you know they have no idea and and I do think that you know we've got to walk through that stuff we can't just put on the happy song you know what I mean and, and imagine that as a result of singing this on putting this on repeat we're going to be all right, because New Testament life is is weeping and it's rejoicing, and we just have to be honest with. It. And I think if we don't, then we we almost assign ourselves to something of a superficiality that is just deeply dissatisfying. Rather than saying, "Lord, I, he, the Bible says He desires truth in the inmost place," so I've tried to make it my aim to be painfully truthful with the Lord, um, not in a kind of a just a self-indulgent way, but just to say, "Lord, I just want to I want you to know." That as I'm doing all this, that and the other, I'm preaching here and doing that and doing it, that I want to keep things really on a level with you. <laughs> because I could easily just, you know, uh, um, not. And I, I think, well, well, then what's left? What's left? It becomes nonsense, isn't it? The whole thing becomes a joke. So that's, that's, that's a big one. Um, 
Anything? Anyone wants to say on any of these things so far? I want to talk a bit more about. it's something that God has intended or whether it's a result of our own stupidity what I would say without a shadow of a doubt is this is that I think there can be seasons where we find ourselves in a desert place as a result of our own willful disobedience yes I don't think we can find ourselves in a desert place as a result of the fact that we are human and flawed he remembers our form he knows we're dust That, that to me would be the opposite of genuinely understanding grace that you know we miss things of course we miss do you know what I mean we, we're not we have blind spots I think to find yourself in a season of spiritual dryness because you have blind spots I just, that does not work but I do think we can be unbelieving we can be stubborn and as a result you can find yourself in a season like the people of Israel heart stiff necked how many times Lots, they had lots repetitive stiff-neckedness can lead to <laughs> uh, futile going around in circles. Yes, but I think it's usually if our heart isn't like that, it's not stiff. Then it's usually something the Lord is doing. I think the problem is is that we have this view of Christian growth. Um, Tom Shaw was speaking about it somewhere recently, and it's so helpful. We tend to think of Christian growth like that, that it just that it's just uh, you know, it's just like that. It's not like that. Jesus said, when you bear fruit, the next thing that happens is what? The Father comes and prunes. Have you ever seen anything that's been pruned? Flipping it. You look at it, you think, nothing's ever going to grow from that again. You know? And that's exactly how you feel when you have those seasons. You think, what has happened? It was amazing, and now there's nothing there. And all you can do is really cling on to the Lord. That has been done. Why? So that you will bear more fruit. That is Christian growth. That is Christian growth. And God can use circumstances to do that. It could be something that's happening on the internally. It can be external, internal, um, you know, external pressures, internal things, um, struggles. But that, that, is, that is the Christian growth trajectory. Fruit, pruning. More fruit, pruning. Even more fruit, pruning. And if, once we get our heads around that, then we are not disorientated when it happens. We just realise, oh, I've been here before, I recognise this feeling, it's not nice. <laughs> it's not nice, but it's, it's, part, of the, um, it's a part of the Father's um, disciplining. Now, here's something that's important to say on discipline. I think we always think disciplining is to do with when we've got it wrong. Sometimes it is, but I discipline my children, just, I just train them. Not just, it, sometimes it's correction, but often it's just training. You just think, well, they're going to need to grow out of that at some point, so we'll just help them. And when I tell them, they may, it may not be pleasant, but if they listen, it produces a wonderful result. That's discipline. It produces a harvest of righteousness. It's not pleasant at the time, but produces a harvest of righteousness for those who are trained by it. So you allow the Father to, to, to train you, 
that you don't interpret it as rejection, but you know it's the opposite. Sometimes my kids say to me, why don't you smack the other kids? <laughs> I say, they're not mine. <laughs> yeah? Why does God smack the other kids? They're not his. Oh, is it? Ah, it's, it's great in English. You smack all the time. Joke. Joke. Oh, sorry, it's on the recording. Oh. Is it illegal? Well, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever type of discipline you deem appropriate. <laughs> Um, I'll leave that between your consciences, the word of God and your government. You, you figure it out. But um, it's, not, it's not illegal in England. I think, I think the, the rules are as long as it doesn't leave a mark or something. Anyway, that's, that's what my kids would say. Why don't you smack the other kids? And the answer is very profound. It's very profound. They are not mine. Why does God discipline you? Because you are his. He's deeply committed to your maturity. Deeply, deeply. He will not allow you to run around like one that is not his. You're, you're representing the family. So, it's actually, if you've ever gone through discipline, rejoice. Why? You belong. You belong. If you've never experienced what, anything I'm talking about, then you might want to have a bit of a moment to think, Seriously. If you've never known that, then you might want to just think, okay, and reflect on it. It's very important. Don't talk about it loads. I think I think there's a big emphasis on the father, but no one ever talks about discipline. There's this, we've got to make sure that when we talk about the father, we do it in a biblical way. Otherwise, you end up with just someone you got in your own image. Um, One thing on intimacy, then, we'll, then, then I think we'll, we'll just um, we'll do some very specific quick Q&A to end with. So on intimacy, um, it's a bit of an English play on words. So if you're not English, you should still, it's still it's quite simple, you should be able to get it. I think there's this play on words which says, into me see. Into me see is, is very helpful. I think that that is the road to intimacy with God, where you're not hiding anything. And there was a brilliant quote by um, one of the Bethel leaders, Paul Manwaring, superb quote, where he says, um, experiencing, um, experiencing God is, is, not, is never down to whether or not God is present. He's always present. It's down to whether or not we are present. I thought that was when I heard that. I mean, it was put more, a, lot, a lot more concisely than that. But I thought, that is amazing. That is amazing. Am I fully present to him? <laughs> How present am I? Heart, mind, soul and strength to him. He's fully, fully present. In Christ, he's made himself fully present to us. So I think, this, I think so, to, to allow the Lord full access to your hopes, dreams, fears, to your past, present, future, to your aspirations, to the things that you care deeply about, to your passions, your longings, your convictions, your concerns, to your ugly bits and say, oh Lord, you know, uh, just tell him. Tell him, tell him, tell him. Because what the Bible says, because you're in Christ, when you bring stuff out into the, into the light, the result isn't judgment. The result is mercy. Isn't it? So that's the wonder of it. You bring it out and you think, what's he going to do? He's going to cleanse you with the blood of his son. <laughs> that's what he does. You think, oh gosh, why do, they, why do they ever bother hiding? It's crazy. So there's some things there. Now, I'm, I am happy now. We'll have our last bit of time together. Um, to answer any questions on 
just pre- I know I've not been very practical, quite conceptual. I'm, I'm a lot more naturally conceptual than practical. So drill me on practical stuff. Ask anything you like so that when you leave this room, you're glad you didn't go to the prophetic seminar. <laughs> it's a joke, by the way. Anything you like about knowing Jesus. mentors and things I just want to say you know one of the things I've become more and more aware of is that one of God's primary ways of um, of means of grace to us is one another it's just huge it is just huge and I think we mustn't get into this wrong sense of how can I put it um, it's really important and I think someone mentioned the idea of I'm in a pioneering setting now I can't lean on big church structures I want to make sure I really do build in terms of my own what we've got that's totally absolutely but never at the expense of meaningful connection with other Christians it's God's grace to you it is God's grace to you and um, yeah I mean my own personal experience is that uh, I've had to seek it out um, it's quite unusual for someone to approach you and maybe offer themselves in that way. Not necessarily because they don't want to, but sometimes they themselves don't have the confidence to. So I think you have to be a bit proactive. Um, I, I would say that I've, I, over the years, God has provided spiritual fathers for me, which is again part of special grace to me, because fathering was one of those areas of weakness when I became a Christian, so it's very beautiful. But um, I, I, he's provided. I've always, so a current example. Last September, I was pro- maybe right in the middle of, maybe just coming out of. But either way, in the in 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 a horrible season of temptation, as I referred to last night, and we going on for three or four months. I'd been um, having some accountability with a peer, but I just thought I need someone who can talk to me like a father would. Um, so I wasn't looking to them to sort of take responsibility for what I was going through, but I just thought I need someone confident enough to gently, <laughs> because when you're in that, you need gentleness, but gently speak the truth to me. And so I sought out um, someone I respected. I'd gotten to know a little bit through doing some stuff alongside them, and I thought they are very gentle. But but then what what I recognised in them was that they very much leaned towards the gentleness. So when I sought them out, I said, I want you to pastor me, and I don't want you to be subtle. I actually said, I want you to really... I knew they would be gentle. <laughs> I said, I need you to, I need you to really... Um, Ask me the, the, the penetrating questions. I need you to really... And even then I found that in that dynamic, I still have to initiate disclosure. Fine. But I absolutely... You know, I, the, when you're isolated inside, the mind can play crazy tricks on you. And, and you know, it's like, it's like you know, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. If you watch the Wild, the Wild programs, David Attenborough and those programs... The lions always go for the stragglers, don't they? They look for who's separated from the, the crowd, right? And they go for that one. And I think you're incredibly vulnerable if you're not 
right in the midst of Christian community. So I, I try and practice different degrees of disclosure wherever I am. So I help to I help to lead a community group with my wife, and I'm with a bunch of guys there. When we do our guys stuff, they probably wouldn't expect me to disclose, but I do. Um, not to the same degree I would in other relationships, but I do. And I just think I just I think practicing honesty, embarrassing. You know when it's you think this really shouldn't be a problem, <laughs> but it is. Is it's just really important and it's a pride killer. It's not comfortable, but we've got to do it. And then I think if you have been let down or disappointed in some way in those kinds of relationships, then rather than making sure that you are not um, taken out of that dynamic for years, but really doing what you can to face up to what's gone on with the Lord so that healing can come, so you can re-engage. You may have learned some lessons through it. I think trust does take time. I think we look, we love everyone, but trust, I think, builds over time. So maybe there's a bit, you'd be a bit more circumspect or a bit, you know what I mean? But I think it's absolutely vital. Absolutely vital. Um, it's part of walking in the light. In fact, in that, in that, in that thing in 1 John, you know, the really famous thing about walking in the light and if we confess our sins and if you read it, he may be talking about confessing to one another. You can take, he talks about having fellowship with one another if we walk in the light I don't think you can have proper fellowship to the depth God wants if we're always hiding <laughs> I think you end up with these superficial relationships you turn up you have a cup of tea have a bit of cake read your bible and go home and then after a while everyone thinks I can't be bothered with this <gasps> it's tiring because it's not real it's not real oh, who wants that kind of culture no one so uh, some thoughts I hope they help um, anything else um, on anything to do with knowing Jesus, walking with Him. And please feel free to share wisdom as well, guys. I really do not think of myself as the fan of all wisdom at all. I'm just running the seminar, so you know, I'm happy to do the talking, but please jump in with stuff that's helped you. You've all got experience of Christ in the room. Some of you a lot longer than me. Anything else? While you're thinking, I'm going to just check my notes, make sure there's nothing huge I haven't missed. You know the very famous psalm about God gives sleep to his beloved? Psalm 127. God gives sleep to his beloved. Do you know that it can be translated in another way? That it's the scholars are confused as to how it's... The other translation is, God gives to his beloved even in their sleep. Right, yeah, which actually fits more with the um, psalm. The psalm says, why are you staying up so late stressing over this, that and the other? He gives to his beloved even in their sleep. And um, I do think that there is something about just recognising that the grace of God in our lives means that the things that are evident in our lives from him should be way out of proportion with anything (laughs) we've put in. And I'm, I'm not saying we don't put anything in. Pour your whole self into him. But what he does in and through us as a result is way out of... It doesn't add up. It's grace. And I do think we need to just have that confidence in us so that we're not stressed out, stressed out Christians who are essentially trying to parent or lead ourselves. 
that's like an, that's an orphan mentality isn't it Christians trying to parent themselves hold on a minute hasn't he his responsibility let me tell you a lovely story this is help so summer was coming there was no money for a holiday this year and the kids start around April or May you know where are we going don't know gotta provide <laughs> and um <laughs> And, uh, you know, it just it, got, it gets to July and you're like, oh, no. And um, it was an interesting thing. Some some people really kindly were offering us some options here and there. But, you know, when you, you know, we've done that. We've done plenty of staying in people's homes. It's, it's been always, it's, it's, we're always very, very grateful. But, you know, there are, there are, to be honest, there are times where you turn up and you realise, oh, they've got feather pillows and we've all got allergies. Or, do you know what I mean? Or, oh, they've got a load of really nice vases and we've got toddlers. Or, <laughs> oh, you know, um, it's, uh, whatever. You, you think, ah. Uh, but you're grateful because it's a holiday. But we start, Lord, and then people started offering. I just thought, I have, do not have the emotional energy to pack the car, drive and arrive, you know, and find out. You know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be great. I just haven't got, it, I haven't got it. You know, when you just haven't got it in you. I haven't got it. I'm being honest. I haven't got it in me. So I was just like, thank you, but no. And, and then there came a point where I just said to the Lord, I just said, uh, me and my wife are praying. And I came up with this crazy plan. Some friends of friends have got a place in Switzerland. Someone else said somewhere in the south of France. I put, I put this plan together. This 10, 12 day trip in Switzerland and south of France. I said, what do you think? She said, well, I love it, but I said, I've done the sums. And we're, we're about twelve pounds short, <laughs> you know. She's like spending money, you know. Like, ah, I'll be all right, you know. She said, "Darling, I love the idea, but we're we're about we're about five hundred pounds short." And then and then, but she you know what she you know what she actually thought? We're a thousand pounds short, but she didn't have the heart to tell me. I said, "Oh, well, let's just pray." And I said, "Lord, look, we really would love to do this. So please, either just give us the faith, or just do something really kind." The next day. I'm in a conversation with someone. She said, so what are you doing over the summer? I said, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. He said, well, would a thousand pounds help? <laughs> yeah. Really would. And over the next two weeks, we were given about three grand. Which meant we could also replace our broken city. And, you know, just stuff that you just like, God... You know, and he just, he cares about us, doesn't he? He cares about us. And um, I do think we've just got to be really aware of that and to bring our requests to him and look, expect him to be kind. I think he loves, don't you, if you those of you that are parents, don't you love being kind to your kids? Um, you know, and I think we ex- must expect him to be kind. And as he does that, our relationship with him deepens, doesn't it? He does. You think, God, I just saw a side to you in the timing of that that just blew my mind trust you more than I ever have done now and we just grow deeper with them you've got to have our stories and I do think sometimes he lets things go to the wire a bit whether it's something as trivial as a holiday or something a lot more serious health issues or other things and things do go to the wire and sometimes disaster strikes it does um, but there is something about finding him in the middle of those places maybe this is a good thing to end on I think you, if you can find him in the middle of those sorts of seasons, something happens in your relationship with God. 
something does. I remember when my wife was diagnosed with cancer um, five years ago. We were planting the church. There was no elders. Kids were nine, six and four. She was having a shower one day. She never, never, she'd never in her life had ever checked her breasts for lumps. She's in the shower one day. Here's the voice of God. Check your breast. Funny how God went. She could have just healed it. He said, check your breast. I don't know. She did. There's a lump there. Don't know. a cancer. And, uh, you know, so we sat down and obviously talking about it. Suddenly life goes crazy internally. And she just said, I just need to find the peace of God. If I can get the peace of God, <laughs> then, I'll, then, we can, then we can move forward. Until that, I don't know what I'm doing. So I just sat down, got the scriptures out, you know, the classics, Philippians 4, you know, all the classics. Prayed. God gave her his supernatural peace. And that's, that's a deep moment in God. Because what you're doing, you're trusting him, aren't you, with your health, your future, your kids, your husband. She's still making plans about who I should marry when <laughs> she died. Because <laughs> I don't know how to look after myself, apparently. But, um, but she, was, she was trusting the Lord and... Um, you know, we were able to, to get through a very, obviously a very, very tricky season and see God put something in a church, a new church. You know, the church was three years old, mostly students or 20-somethings. We had no, not much experience of that kind of thing. But to see them walk through that with us, really. And I think, I think it is seasons like that and emotional pain, stuff on the inside that no one else might even understand, <laughs> confusion, Disappointment. As we find him in that, there's a depth that he brings, isn't there? And out of that depth, we can minister to others. We can serve others. We can do things in others' lives that we never could before. We can touch places because we've allowed his redemptive touch to touch us there. You can then weep with those who weep. When people are talking, you weep. Why? Because you've had a broken heart. You know, you know something, something of what they're feeling. You're carrying the heart of Jesus with you. I do. I just. I just. I'm absolutely convinced that God's strategy is people. <laughs> His strategy is people and transforming them, and through that, transforming the world. So we let Him do what He does with us, trust Him, and then uh, what happens is, 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 is that transformation is manifested through us, in us, and then through us. That's the kingdom. So I guess. I guess that's it, really. I hope I've said some things that are worth saying. Um, well, we can finish quarter of an hour early or if someone can say something. But the huge privilege that we know Jesus. Yeah. And there's a world out there that don't know him. Mm. Um, and they go through these things and they've got nowhere to go. Mm. They've got no one to get peace from. Yeah. And... Yeah. We really are. We really Even are. Even when we struggle, yeah. we all are negative. Yeah. We're hugely privileged. We really are. Yeah. He's given us so much. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. How you've had perhaps different seasons of walking with Jesus in terms of acknowledging capacity for different 
sort of ways of, I don't know, walking with them that perhaps one season it looked like this and then another season actually it was like that and it was fine to, to change or actually God was teaching you a different side of his character and at the time it felt a bit like, oh, I feel not like I was, but actually that turned out to be a, a good thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, just talking a little bit about seasons. It's a funny one. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. We've known each other for 20 years, both pastors. And we were talking about how God... I said, I said, we hadn't seen him for three years. I said, tell me about your relationship with God. You know, you can talk about everything, can't you? I said, but I want to know, 20 years on, because he was a fireball, and I was a fireball, and we were the, we were the fireball, the intense fireball. I said, tell me about it. He started talking. I mean, you know, he... He's, you know, he... He says, my prayer life is now silent. Fascinating. Fascinating. He said, talk to me. Tell me about it. I said, wow. And that mine isn't. I always find it easier to talk because if I just go in my mind, I just end up going everywhere. Do you know what I mean? So at least I know I'm praying if I'm actually talking. Um, but, but I've changed. And I've said to him, after we chatted, I said, I wonder how much of this is just us getting old. I said, I wonder how much of it is just us getting old, but within a gospel framework. If I wasn't a Christian, there would be a different framework. But who I am as a, in terms of temperament and ageing, there would have been similar things you could have seen. Does that make sense? And I think there is a lot of that. And sometimes we can super spiritualise it as a godly seasons. Because actually what's happening is, is that we are maturing as people in Christ. And it affects our relationship with God. So I think when you're young... Um, it's it, a lot of the zeal is rooted in impatience. Come on, Lord! But it's actually like you want to change the world yesterday. So it is zeal, but actually there, there, there is a lack of understanding as to, you know, often the timings of God. Um, so then once you realise that a little bit, your praying changes. Do you see what I'm saying? So I do, I do think, but then obviously you live with this thing of, have I lost the fire? <laughs> you know, have I lost the fire? And um, all I can do it when I when I have that is just bring that before God and say, Lord, I hope I haven't. If I have, reignite it. You know, but I think you can get trapped in re- yesteryear spiritually. Rosy glasses. Do you know what I mean? Oh, those were the days. You know, shake, rattle, and roll. You know, but actually there was a lot of stuff going on there that I'm glad I'm not in that anymore. God has, God has brought me out. So I do think there's something about um, patience that, that comes, which is a real big one. It's massive, really, really important. Peace, more peace, I think, as you get older, more secure in his love. Um, more aware of his grace, more aware of your stupidity. Much more aware, much more aware of my genuine unimpressiveness. You know, I literally, I'll come here, I will do this, I'll serve, I'll speak, I'll do it, because I know God's called me to do it and graced me to do it. But I'm really, I'm really not struggling with pride. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, it's not a struggle. It, it might have been years ago. It's really not a struggle anymore. Why? Because I've seen myself over the last 20 years. <laughs> it's embarrassing. You know, those moments where you're arguing with your wife, you think this is embarrassing. It's like a couple of kids in a playground. Like, God have mercy. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know. Um, or where, you know, I don't know, so you, you react in a situation, you think, Did, uh, was that me? And you think, oh, and God's looking on like, I always knew. But you're disappointed with yourself, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? And I, so I think, I think you just take yourself less seriously, but I'm much more impressed with him. Much more amazed by his grace. I think, wow. You know, I think I'm starting to get this grace thing a bit, you know. 
wow, there was really no, there was really no reason why you did this other than your free will. Seriously, there can be no other reason. Um, so I think that's, that, that has changed things, more, brings more joy. Because <laughs> I think sometimes you think you've got joy when you're younger, but really you're just kind of really chuffed with yourself. <laughs> so that's really what it is. And then, you know, that gets stripped away and, you, and all that. And then, uh, you, but you think, he still loves me. And, and, I, and I've not disqualified myself through being as human as I am. Wow. You know, that's, that's lovely. It's amazing. I think you appreciate other people more. Appreciate the body of Christ more. Appreciate other gifts more. Um, so I think that that you know I'm easy, quick, quick maybe quicker to listen and slower to speak now. So I just hopefully there's just some maturity through through just being same for the last 24 years. Lord, please teach me. I want to learn. I want to become more like you. I don't want to stagnate. And and him honouring him being just so faithful to that little prayer, doing that. So I, I do think that's those are the marks really, um, if anything. Um, but I think externally it may look less impressive than it did do you know what I mean I think it may which I don't, I don't know what to make of that not in terms of um, hopefully not in terms of godliness but I think in terms of like uh, how can I put it um, I could say spiritual disciplines but that might be a bit misleading I just think in terms of like hours clocked do you understand what I'm saying but uh, but I'm not always sure what was driving those huge hours of prayer if that makes sense sure they counted for something but I'm not sure how much of it was driven by anxiety and how much it was driven by faith so I think it's interesting isn't it um, yeah I don't know I don't know if that helps yeah 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 I think I think I would say I would respond to your statement by saying I think we have very a very set idea of forms of how things should be, even though we are a very free charismatic movement. I think we have a very very set. We really do. Um, That's not necessarily wrong. I just think it's an observation. But we feel very insecure when we move away from that. We begin to question everything. But sometimes that's all that really really has gone on. I just think the young kids thing it is, it's, I look back I think that was crazy when they're young it's just so intense the physical demand it's great it's wonderful but it's very very intense and it's not like that anymore now they're all a bit more independent um, I, my, my lesson from it was well, just keep looking looking at what you do does it still work because I just think seasons always change especially with kids always growing that work doesn't work anymore do you know what I mean? it's bedtime's changed that, 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 you know. so just keep an eye on it is it still working if it's not adjust it if you're not flexible, then you can get caught out for a year. Because <gasps> you're insisting that it will still work, but it doesn't. 
you know, so you've got to be flexible and relaxed about that. Um, and joy, you've got to, we've got, it's, a delighted person is much more attractive than a disgruntled person. Do you know what I mean? We've got, we do. I do think that if we can make it a priority to, to find delight in Jesus and his grace, his forgiveness. I mean, wow, we, you know, we wake up every morning, we're forgiven. I mean, that is flipping heck. We are forgiven. You know, you think, think of what we've done. Think of what we've said. Think of what we've thought. It's all wiped out. Like, that is, that is amazing. And I think, wow, just think on that. That's a good quiet time. Even if I'm eating my cornflakes, I'm forgiven. You know, there's joy, there's gratitude. Do you know what I mean? I just think, you know, uh, and I'm, I know, I, I absolutely, you know, uh, Jesus teaches intentional times of prayer. Yes, 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 yes. But I also think, you know, wow, to set your mind on that which is true, that which is noble, excellent, praiseworthy. You're gonna be in a, you're gonna be someone at work who people want to find out a bit more about, you know, rather than someone at work stressed out because you didn't get time to pray, <laughs> and everyone's winding you up. You didn't get time to pray. Hey, I'm trying to pray. You know, you think, hold on, something's gone wrong there. So I think we've got to think about that a bit. But... All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your kindness to us. We are so unworthy, and le- and yet, Lord, you have fitted us out for your family. You've covered every base so that we can be in you, so that we can be welcomed, so that we can belong. You've taken away our ashes and all the filth. You've just cleaned, you've found us wallowing in our filth and you've cleaned us and clothed us and adopted us. And now we belong. And Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you for thank you for community, family in you that together we can talk and listen and it all makes sense because we've got your spirit in us. We know what we're talking about. And uh, just being able to grow together and learn together. Oh Lord Jesus, you are you are the you're the pinnacle, you're the goal. And I pray that you would remain our goal. Not the not the church plant, not the project that you Jesus are the goal and that when that's in place everything must become sanctified everything must become holy everything everything must become spiritual so I do pray Lord be the goal of our heart be the driving force of our lives be the, be the main motivation of our heart to please you to honour you to glorify you um, and thank you that you're leading us as well thank you Lord that we're not alone Lord, that you are you are at work in us to will and to work to your your good pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Cheers, guys.